0: Well, we're back in Revelation this morning, uh, Revelation chapter 2, 18 to 29. It's the fourth letter in a series of seven. It's the Church of Thyatira. I haven't had time to go through a review. I was going to review it this morning, but it was going to take too long where we're up to. But we'll, I'll just give you a little bit of information here, soon as I can find my place. Okay, Thyatira is one of those Western Turkey towns. Can you put the slide up, please? Yeah, all the seven churches were congregated around that um, Western part of Turkey, which I think in the Bible it refers to as the Roman Asia or the Roman province of uh, Asia. Anyway, Thyatira became an important commercial center. It became a well-known center for trade guilds. Now, I think you mentioned that a couple weeks, three weeks ago. Um, these were compulsory um, guilds that if you wanted to be in the trade, you had to be a part of it. And part of the problem was that each of these trade guilds had um, paid homage to a particular uh, pagan deities. So if you went along to one of their meetings, part of the feasts or part of their, whatever the proceedings that were going on, you had to pay homage to this false god. And it became a dilemma for the Christian tradesmen. Do I bow down and worship and go along with this? Or or do I lose my job? And um, that became a real problem for a lot of them. Even at the end of the first century, the, the church was in trouble. The, there was the Nicolaitans. These were people that, because of their status, they thought they had special, special knowledge. that set them up above everybody else. And they used their position to rule and conquer or rule it over the laity. So, you know, I could come up here and say, right, you do this. You believe what I believe. And... Part of the other tears in the, early, <clears throat> in the early church was legalism, which was denial of Christ's completed work. Gnosticism, claiming to have special knowledge, and they denied Christ's humanity. And then there was Caesar's worship, denial of Christ's lordship. And if you look at um, Pergamos, and you read about that and the history of it, that was the first temple that they erected to for Caesar worship, it was the center of Caesar worship. And that's not too far from Thyatira. So Caesar worship was pretty bad. You know, if you didn't bow down to him when they said to, off with your head basically. Now Nadine's gonna read about um, Thyatira, starting at chapter 18, sorry, chapter two, verse 18. Let's look, look at verse 18. And the angel of the church in Thyatira writes this, Son of God. Now, Son of God is a title that Christ used. He had a number of them. In chapter 1, you'll see that he uses a separate title for each letter. And this has got something to do with the body of the letter, the message that he wants to say. Now, Son of God, he is asserting his power and authority for judgment. Eyes like fire. Feet like brass are symbols for judgment. So this is the Son of God with authority and power to judge. And you'll see later that it's pretty appropriate for the letter. Verse 19, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than they were at first. So it's kind of a a report card. He says... He gives the good points then he's going to give, the bad points, then he's going to say what to do about it, and then a reward at the end. And that's the same for all the letters. And here he's saying, you're doing well. Keep it up. You've improved from when you first started. But I have this against you in verse 20. You tolerate this woman, Jezebel. And if you read through 20 to 23, he's pretty cranky with him. More than cranky. He's downright angry. And there's a good reason for it. Why is he angry? Why is he so swift to pronounce severe judgment? What is it about this person, Jezebel, that makes her such a big deal? And why is she called Jezebel? Well, to answer that question, we've gotta go back to look at the original Jezebel of the Old Testament. Jezebel was the daughter of Ithbal, which means the man of Baal. He was the king of Sidon, priest of Astari, who murdered his predecessor to seize the throne. He actually killed his brother and uh, seized his throne. Now Jezebel married Ahab, King Ahab, to seal a profitable trade alliance between Israel and Phoenicia. She was a powerful evil queen who would do anything, including murder, to get what she wanted. In some of her examples if you turn to 1 Kings 16:30 we'll just see how bad she really was 1 Kings 16:30 to 33 and Ahab son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him and it came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam son of Nebat That that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ithbal, king of the Sidonians, and and went to serve Baal and worship him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the other kings who went before him. And there was a lot of kings before him, and they did terrible things and to rouse God's anger. Have a look at, uh, while you're in 1 Kings, look at 18.4, 1 Kings 18.4. And it came about when Jezebel was destroying the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in the cave and provided them with bread and water Now in 13, he relates that again to Elijah when he meets up with Elijah. This is um, the conversation that he had before he met King Ahab and they had the confrontation on Mount Carmel where the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashworth who was said to have ate at Jezebel's table. So Jezebel was the prime promoter of Baal worship in the kingdom. And then he got the whole confrontation on Mount Carmel where they had the two altars, one for Baal and his, his prophets, and they prayed to see who was going to be the, the true, true God to worship, the God of the Israelites or the God of Baal worshipers. And um, after all that demonstration that God showed himself to be the true God, Ahab goes back and tells Jezebel, because Jezebel wasn't present in this demonstration of power. And Ahab went and said, you know what Elijah did? He went and killed all your prophets. And um, she said, sent a message to um, Elijah. It's my oath that this time tomorrow, you will be dead. And so what did Elijah do? He ran a man that just saw a miraculous sign from God, killed off 400 prophets, 450 prophets, and then he ran at the threat of Jezebel. She was somebody to be feared. Um, And we had the story that I think you shared last time about Naboth's um, vineyard. You can find that in 1 Kings 21. Naboth was a neighbor. He had owned land against... uh, Ahab's um, dwelling or castle or whatever you call it, and Ahab wanted the the land. Naboth wouldn't sell it to him. So Jezebel said, well, what are you whinging about? I'll take care of it. So she organized to have Naboth killed. And because of Jezebel's life, she met a pretty grisly end. If you look in 2 Kings 9.30, you can read about it, but I'm not going to. She was killed, um, and her end, her terror reign ended. Now, why do we need to be concerned about this woman called Jezebel in the Thyatira church? In order to answer this question, let's look at the history of idol worship amongst God's people. Tim mentioned this morning that you know the history of Israel had some pretty horrible times and you know, sin within the camp, you have no idea until you delve into this. And um, let's have a look at some of the cases here. Starting with Moses, you can trace this Baal worship all the way back to the Babylonians, to Nimrod if you choose, but I just start, decided to start um, at Mount Carmel, you know, when Elijah, not Elijah, when Moses went have to receive the law and the Ten Commandments and. God said, you better go down, there's revelry happening, there's partying going on, there's idolatry, sexual immorality happening down there. So Moses goes down, finds that they've fashioned this golden calf, and the consequences of this sin, of disobedience led to judgment, 3,000 people died that day. Then we got the story of, of uh, Balaam, he told Balak, you know, when they were traveling through Moab, before they entered the promised land before they entered the promised land um, on his advice the moab women mingled with the Israeli men through sexual immorality led them off to worship other gods and because of that disobedience 24,000 died that day israel was without excuse they were warned in first uh, in Deuteronomy 6:14 and 15 you can read you shall not follow other gods any of the gods of the people surround you for the god for the lord your god is in the midst of you is a jealous god otherwise the anger of the lord your god will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth Now, that's a pretty straightforward warning do not mingle with those around you do not be led astray in Deuteronomy 7:16 let's turn to that one I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. When the Lord your God shall bring you into the land where you are entering it possess, to possess it and shall clear away many of the nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Persites, Perisites, the Hivites, the Jezebites, seven nations, all greater and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God shall deliver you before uh, deliver them before you, you shall defeat them, and then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, and show no favor of them. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your hearts away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. But this you shall be to them. You shall tear down the altars, smash their sacred pillars, burn down their ashram, and burn the graven images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people of his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So it's pretty clear. They've had a lot of warnings. And there's another warning in Deuteronomy 13, 6 through 11, but I won't go there right at the moment. This idol worship is serious business, and it will not go unpunished. And then you got King Solomon. He started out pretty good, but then he intermarried with the, the wives around surrounding him. He tasted everything that the flesh could taste. Wealth, prosperity... Wisdom, as many wives. I think he had up to 700 wives and concubines. And what was the result of it? He was led astray. And then you get to King Ahab and Jezebel, as we read. Uh, read. They were the pinnacle of evil in Israel. Then you move on to Josiah, the young king Josiah, in chapter, 2 Kings chapter 22. They were doing repair work to the temple, And the priest finds the law, the book of the law, and you think, why didn't he know where it was? You know, you have to ask, well, what was the priest doing if he had no idea what the law was? What were they teaching the people? Who were they worshiping? And eventually, uh, Josiah read it. He was horrified. He repented. He burnt down all the idols that were in the temple. They were worshiping Baal in the temple of God. I mean, how low do you get? You were supposed to be a separate people. They weren't separate. And so, what happened? He repented, but it was too little, too late. And within 23 years, the kingdom of Judah that's, and Benjamin, the southern kingdom, was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. In Jeremiah 44, just to show you how far gone these people were. In chapter 44, Jeremiah has already been in exile. He's been released. He's come back. He heard that there's a group of Israelites that went in to Egypt, escaped the Babylonian exile, and he goes to confront them. If you pick it up in verse, I'm not going to read it all, but it's... Um, 15 to 30. I'm going to read 16 to 18. As for the message that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we are not going to listen to you. But rather, we will certainly carry out every word that has proceeded from our mouths by burning sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven, which was um, Ashereth, I think. She was uh, some female fertility god. And pouring out libations to her, just as we ourselves and our forefathers, our kings, our princesses did in the cities of Judea and the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food, we were well off, and saw no misfortune. But since we've stopped burning sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven, and pouring out libations to her, we have lacked everything, and have met our end by the sword and famine. And Jeremiah goes on to say, well, by your very own words you are condemned, and they all died, either famine or sword in Egypt. And because they were defiant to the end, they saw the northern kingdom crumble, they saw God punish them, the southern kingdom, they had warning after warning after warning to turn from the evil practices, but they were defiant to the very end. And you go on and you look um, at the New Testament, and, you know, Jesus warns us in Matthew 24 that there'd be false prophets. Paul talks about it in Acts 20. When I leave you, savage wolves will come in and teach you things that they shouldn't. Peter talks about it. Jude warns about it. The Jerusalem Council sent out a letter to him and say, hey, church, the Gentile church, don't worship idols. Don't sacrifice, don't worship, don't eat anything, sacrifice to idols. So idol worship is still alive at this point. In the New Testament times, my whole point in going through all this is nothing has changed. Propensity for man to sin and go against what God has commanded is still there today. So, in the church of Thyatira, this uh, woman referred to as Jezebel, she called herself a prophet. The prophet is a high calling, and first and foremost, must be truthful. They should have tested her prophecies and her teaching against the word of God. And Paul's letters were in circulation at this time for about 30 or 40 years. They had those letters. Um, They had the Old Testament. And if you read Deuteronomy, back to Deuteronomy 13, 1 to 5. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or wonder comes true concerning which he had spoken to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him. You shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. But that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. Just as the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 5, 1, Paul's talking about um, the the, uh, immoral man, they failed to discipline the immoral man in their midst, and so too the Thyatira believers failed to discipline the so-called prophet or false teacher. Furthermore, Paul warns the church, do not set your hearts on evil things, as they, the forefathers, did. Do not be idolaters. We should not commit sexual immorality. And then in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 8, he refers back to the Balaam's heir, the advice that he gave uh, Balak and the Moab women to conquer uh, the Israelites. And he says, remember that day, learn from history. 23,000 died on that day, don't be like them. The very behavior and wickedness that was amongst the Israelites throughout the Old Testament that God had to judge for them, judge them for, is the very thing this woman, referred to as Jezebel and Thyatira, was promoting idol worship and sexual immorality, and which the, term, the church turned a blind eye to and accepted within their midst. So the chief sin of this church consists of failing to raise a protest against this woman who led them to a And to idolatrous doctrines and practices, the believers failed to purge the church of evil. So what does idolatry look like in the modern Western culture? An idol is anything we want more than God. Anything we rely on more than God. Anything we look to for greater fulfillment than God. Idolatry is thus the hidden sin that drives all other sins. For example, the worship of materialism, we're bombarded daily. You need this. Worship of our own pride and ego. Worship of nature and science of which man is the pinnacle. It seems like today that nothing is true unless there's a science approves of it, has studied it says, yes, this is true. Napoleon Hill said, whatever the mind of man conceive conceive and believe, it can be achieved. Quite a few years ago, Nadine and I had the privilege of going to Disney World. And they had this Epcot Center there. And they had this phrase, if you can dream it, you can do it. If you can dream it, you can do it. It was talking about man's achievements over this over the centuries, I guess. The involvement of man and, and um, innovation and all that, but it just got too much for us. There's just so much humanism there. It almost came across like it was glorifying man. Look what we've done. Another point of uh, modern um, form of idolatry is the worship of self or self-fulfillment to the exclusion of all others and in their needs and desires. I mean, look at all the cosmetics um, ads. You need this because you deserve it. (laughs) And how many other things are we told? You need it because you deserve it. You want it. You can't do life without it. It's everywhere. Idolatry of self has at its core, the three lusts found in 1 John 5 now, 1 John two sixteen, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, um, the lust of the eyes, are not from the spiritual man, but from our old nature, which, has been, which needs to be put to death daily. That's the real enemy. It's the old nature. God was going to deal with this woman, Jezebel, and all who followed her teachings and practices because he knew where this behavior would lead. That is, the destruction of his church. He saw it before, he's starting to see it again happening in the church, and it's happened in our church today, everywhere. You look, you're hearing of all kinds of teaching and things that spiritual leaders are are doing that shouldn't be done. How many men and leadership have fallen because of adultery? We have looked at Jezebel and what would happen to those who have followed her teaching what about those who haven't followed? In verse twenty-four and twenty-five, I'm going to put a marker in for this one. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold to the teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan as they are called, I place no other burdens on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. We are to know Christ in his word and hold on to what we have and Give my God, the hope of eternal life through salvation in Christ, in Christ alone. And the promise to the overcomer is found in verse 26. The overcomer shall receive authority over the nations. And that's the very thing that Jezebel was after. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, Who's the overcomer? For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that we have, victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Revelation 3.21 says, He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne. And as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. And Matthew 5 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So if you're found to be in idol worship, sexual immorality of all sorts, your heart's not pure. Don't expect to see God, unless you repent. Verse 27 is referring to God's, the Son of God has power and authority to rule with an iron rod. He is the potter, he's the creator, and has the right to judge his creation as he wills. If we remain faithful to him to the end, we are promised to rule with him, and that includes power of the nations, the ultimate prize to the overcomer is promised in verse 29. The morning star. You know what the morning star is? Yeah. Revelation 22:16. 16. I didn't know exactly what that was, but when I looked it up and thought, ah, that makes so much sense. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. So what's our reward? Christ himself. He's the groom. We're the bride. Don't forget that. He's coming after his bride, the Christ in you. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 1.9, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. History repeats itself. Some say Baal worship is alive today in Western society. Here's why they say it. What are the three primary things or practices of ancient Baal worship? One, sexual immorality. Two, infinite sacrifice. Three, worshiping the creator rather than the creation rather than the creator God. Well, look at around us, guys, what's happening? Sexual immorality abounds everywhere in all forms. You were sharing with me last week, Ellen, about the eight-page article in the, what was it, the Chronicle? Sorry, uh, again this morning, uh, yesterday the same. Okay, same subject, sexual immorality, pornography. It's everywhere. Um, Our mayor, last week, didn't he have uh, a get-together, a breakfast or something to discuss this matter? It's everywhere, guys. They say two clicks, and your children can be on a a porn site. Now, if non-Christians are seeing it's a real issue, it must be a big issue. So what is happening today? We've got sexual immorality like never before. We've sanitized the infant killing, and we call it abortion. Mm -hmm. And we have extreme environmentalism and the rejection of anything to do with the Creator. I don't know about you, but it seems like that's on the increase lately. I mean, yes, we're to look after the environment and all that, but when it goes to the extreme that that's more important than all else, we've got a real issue. But you make up your own mind, but I think there are very similar practices of Baal worship in society today. Again, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. So Pergamus, we learned about them, were married to the world. They were lured away and enticed by outsiders and became those around them, Thyatira was lured away and enticed from within as a result became fully compromised like the Pergamon church. Many of God's people have been led astray because they do not have a good understanding of the scriptures as well as a desire to obey. Satan's tactic is to use part truth, then he questions it, questions God's word, part truth to question God's word, then he denies it, then he lies about it. Look in uh, Genesis 3, 1 through 3, where Eve was um, having a conversation with Satan. What do we learn from this? We're not strong in ourselves to withstand Satan's attacks that will lead us from living a holy life. Many before us, Adam and Eve and Aaron, Solomon, the nation of Israel and many others knew God's ways but failed to live a holy life. They were lured away by Satan's lies. What makes us think we can withstand the deception of Satan's lies in our own strength? It is only through Christ and the Holy Spirit that we can stand against the attacks of the enemy. The other way we can recognize the, Je- the Jezebel spirit in our midst is to be immersed in the Word of God. I'm not talking about a casual reading of the Bible stories. It has to be in-depth study of the whole scriptures. We see that there are certain destruction, certain destruction for the unfaithful but that those who do God's will to the end will be given authority over the nations, something that Jezebel strove for. And given the morning star, the crown of life, and Jesus himself is our reward. So Will Leburn do these words. Repent if you're involved in any form of immorality or idol worship. Know the word of God and meditate on it day and night. Study the whole scripture, not just the New Testament. Question false teaching. This is not a license to nitpick every word spoken in church. If you question the teaching of anyone, go to them and ask, what do you mean? And show me in the scriptures. Run from false teaching and immoral practices. Do walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, which can only happen if you're in a close relationship with God. Do walk before the Lord with a humble and contrite heart. Do maintain a repentant and teachable heart. Hold on to what you have and seek greater understanding of God.